we're looking at matters of the heart. And like, like is mentioned before I mentioned it, that out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. And our lives are really a reflection of the condition and what is happening inside our inner life. That's really what your life is made up of, what's going on here, and then the habits that you've created, the things that you do without even thinking. So that's, that's really where our lives uh, are. And so we want to look at our hearts. Last week we looked at the question, the big guiding question was, why am I angry? And that was the question that God asked to Cain when he uh, was frustrated and upset at his brother. God asked him, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? And we would do well to ask ourselves that own question uh, and, and try to figure out in our own lives, why do we get angry? Why am I angry? Why is this something that upsets me? Why, what's going on in my, in my heart right now that would lead me to anger? I, I mentioned last week that Andy Stanley says, show me an angry person and I'll show you a hurt person. Very often we're angry because we were hurt. Something hurt us. Something upset us. We felt we were wrong. And Andy Stanley goes on to say that often we feel like something is owed to us. Somebody robbed us of something, took something from us, stole something from us, and so we are owed, and we're hurt, and we want, to, we want it to be made right. A lot of them, anger is at a sense of injustice, or what we perceive to be injustice. Something was done wrong. It's not fair. It's not the way I thought it should be. And so we get angry. And all these sort of things, we have to understand what is righteous. We looked at this last week, righteous and unrighteous anger. There's some types of anger that are purely uh, wrong. Uh, you know, just, just not the right reason to be angry and not the right expression of anger, which we're going to look at today. But there are, we have to be honest, some, some reasons that are, are good. The Bible talks about God being angry in the Old Testament. And even the New Testament talks about, um, we'll look at a verse today where, where the, the master who's portrayed in the parable, is, who's God, is angry. So God gets angry. So that we know from Scripture that anger in itself is not, is not wrong. And so we got to know what is righteous, what is unrighteous, what's the type of anger going on in my life. And we even looked at, briefly, self-righteous. When I, when I would describe self-righteous anger, it's maybe anger that had a valid reason at some point, but it turned inward on yourself, and now you just can't get past yourself. Maybe somebody did legitimately hurt you and do something wrong to you, but it's been a long time, you just can't get past, you can't forgive it, all you're concerned is that wound, and maybe the best thing to do is, would move forward with healing that God wants to offer you. And so... Uh, Ephesians 4.26, and if you want to take notes, you can follow along um, in there. i got a few blanks. Um, you don't happen to have an extra one, do you? I, won't leave it. I don't want to leave you without a blank. You know, oh, you got one. Okay, good. All right, so make sure all your blanks get filled in. Um, Ephesians 4.26, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while on your anger, and do not give an opportunity to the devil. Anger is an opportunity that we can give to our spiritual enemy to, to reshape our life. It's an opportunity we have to be careful about. When we get angry, we give the devil an opportunity to reshape us. But if we're, if we're cautious and we, we follow God's path with our anger, anger can reshape our life in a positive way as well. I want to look at that today. Anger actually is not something that we have to avoid at all costs. It's something we need to give to the Lord and let him shape it in our life. Okay? So, um... We're going to look at three ways we deal with our anger today. As we kind of take this and go forward, what are three ways we deal with our anger? Number one, um, we're going to look at this morning, we, we can blast it. Most people, when they think of anger, they associate it with the expression of anger, which is usually kind of a, an overt blasting other people. <laughs> I am angry. I'm going to let you know. Something was done wrong, 
and I am going to let you know. I was at the drive-thru at Arby's, all right? And I don't usually go to the drive-thru at Arby's, and I probably won't go again. But I was there, and, man, you know, I'm trying to get on to Dane's flag football game or whatever day it was in the week, and I'm trying to grab him something, and it was taking forever. I don't know why. It wasn't Taco Bell, so I was confused. Why is it taking so long? This isn't Taco Bell. You know, I mean, I know when I go to Taco Bell, it's going to take an hour. But this is Arby's. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and they... I pay for it, so I can't leave now because I paid $5. I want my food, right? And But on the back, it says you can send your complaints, right? And I was about to blast them, you know, oh, about to start texting in my complaints. And then the food came out the window, and I moved on with my life, right? That's it. Right, right on the board, I'm getting, I'm starting to boil up here. I got I to gotta let somebody know how mad I am. And then I got my food, and I was fine. So, uh, you know, that's a silly little example. But we all have things that get under our skin, that drive us nuts. Um, think about the different things that, that are just irritations, m- minor things, and then major, major situations. What are we going to do with our anger? One choice a lot of people make is they blast it out. I got to let somebody know, right? I can't, you know, I'm mad. I got to tell somebody, right? Get on the phone, text a few people, get on Facebook, get on social media. You know, hey, I, I've done this. I've been guilty. You know, something you know makes you upset, and you just got to get it on social media. I got to tell the whole world what happened to me. It's just so crazy, right? People do that. They want to blast it out there for people to somehow say, you know, you're right. That was so messed up. That was wrong. They shouldn't have taken so long at Arby's. What's wrong with them? You know, you, your life is so horrible. You know, we were at the movie theater, and it was thundering and lightning, and the movie cut off. We want a refund. You know, what's wrong with this? We were at the very end of the movie of, of uh, Aladdin. And they're about to, you know, it's just a pivotal moment in the movie cut off. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got to get a refund for this. We definitely just didn't know what happened. Yeah, I mean, obviously you didn't see the cartoon at some point, but, I mean, it's the same movie. But, you know, people are getting upset and whatever, and, and someone was like, hey, first world, first world problems, right? I mean, we're, we're <laughs> that's, if that's our biggest problem, we're at the movie theater, out of the rain, and the movie cuts off, and then we have to wait two minutes for it to reset. That's pretty sad if that makes us mad. Right, we, we we sometimes want to blast these things, but you know, I'm giving you some silly examples. Like I mentioned last week, there's a very tragic example of anger. You can read about it in the news, but uh, we lost somebody in our community, two brothers. Uh, one uh, brother fired the other brother, and uh, the brother was angry with him and, and killed him uh, in our community this week. Um, very sad. Um, Cassie coached uh, one of the daughters of the brother that w- was was murdered, um, and so anger is a is a terrible thing when we want to blast it. It can be something silly where we laugh about, but it can be such a terrible, terrible thing and, and be destructive and violent um, when we give in to our anger. Um, Proverbs 22, um, 12 and 20, uh, 24 and 25 says this, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Now let me, let me focus on two points from this. Okay? I don't have a space for you to write it, but you can write it down. First, anger can come to define you. If you're a person that wants to blast your anger, you, it, your anger, the way you broadcast, the way you deal with it can come to define you. Because this proverb says, do not become angry with a hot-tempered person. This is something that's been defined by their temper. We can think right now of people we know that are hot-tempered people. Anger has, become, has come to define them the way they express it. Not just that they get angry, but they express it in a hot-tempered way. So anger can come to become your identity if you're not careful. It can be something that people look at, oh, yeah, 
Mike, yeah, he's that guy, man. You don't want to cross Mike because he'll 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 let you know. Mike's like, not me. I'm just I'm using Mike because he's probably not a hot tempered person. But we know people that man, you don't want to mess with you know, that person. You don't want to cross him because they'll they'll bite your head off, right? That could become your identity, and that's not an identity anybody wants, right? Um, second, there seems to be a social component of anger. It transfers to those around them. Why would the Proverbs say, don't become friends with a hot-tempered person? Because there's a social component to anger. Like I said last week, one of my professors uh, would say in a class I had at Southeastern, that hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. I'm angry, I'm mad, I was wrong, and I'm going to hurt you. You're hurt, right? And now guess what? You're like, well, dang, that wasn't fair. Why are you hurting me? What's up with that? And you get mad, like... That's so wrong. I mean, I didn't do anything. And, and now you go on your days messed up, ruined, and you go, and, and the next person you see, hey, you're mad, right? You're like, I'm going to let them have it, you know, because I'm just, my whole day was ruined, and I didn't do anything. What's wrong with that? And so it, it, it perpetuates a cycle. There's a social component to anger and how we blast it on other people. Um, study after study is done about how our home environment, our home environment impacts us. If you grew up in a home environment that was uh, full of anger, that was blasted at one another, that will impact you in a negative way. You will carry that with you, and you will have to deal with that for the rest of your life. And even one study I was looking at said that even our DNA undergoes changes in, in uh, extreme trauma with anger and violence at home. They did a study. Even our own DNA inside of us, there's changes to us if we undergo Ongoing trauma and, and anger and violence at home. It changes who we are. We have to be careful. It's not just, oh, I just got to blow off some steam. That's just how I deal with my anger. I just blow off some steam, I blast it on somebody, and I'll move on. I feel better. Oh, and everybody else feels horrible. We have to be careful. We don't want to be a hot-tempered person. We don't want to be known for that, and there is a social component to it. It's interesting, and I read this story in the spring of 1894. The Baltimore Orioles came to play... Uh, Boston, and, and I'm sure Tom probably knows all about this because he knows every fact of sports, so uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong. But in 1894, a long, long time ago, so the Orioles, uh, John McGraw, got in a fight with Boston third baseman. And uh, within minutes, all the teams had joined in the brawl, and this warfare quickly spread into the grandstands. They're all fighting. The guy had slid in to the base. I think somebody kicked him in the head or something like that, and he was really upset because he didn't want to get kicked in the head. And so they started brawling. The teams have to join in to defend, and all of a sudden the fans are fighting each other. And what happened was there was a fire. Somebody set a fire to this, this stadium that was supposed to be kind of a nice, uh, uh, really marvelous stadium at that time. And it was made of wood, and it set on fire. And then it carried on through the city, and the fire just kept burning. And it burned down multiple, uh, up to, I think it said 107 buildings in the city were burned because of a fight that broke out between... The, the third baseman and a guy sliding in the third. And it all just kept going and going. And that's how anger can work in our lives. I don't want to you know, be a slippery slope exaggerator and say that's what always happens, but there is a component where it keeps transferring itself. We get angry, we blast somebody else. Man, they feel mad, and they want to go blast somebody. And then they feel mad, and it just keeps going and going. And it's a cycle of anger. We have to be careful that we do not be the ones that continue that on. So let me ask you this, if you're an anger blaster, if that's your style, if that's what you, your preferred method, when you get mad, I'm just going to let it go, and then I feel much better, but everybody else feels worse, what do you need to do? Let me give you, let me give you four things. 
Number one, admit you have a problem. Okay? A lot of times we don't even want to do that. No, that's not a problem. That's just how I deal with it. No, no. I want you to admit I have a problem. I'm hot-tempered sometimes. I don't want to be hot-tempered. Now, it doesn't say you can't be angry, but I don't want to be a hot-tempered person. I don't want to be blasting other people with my anger. I might still be angry, but what do I need to do? Well, I think I have a problem here because I always seem to revert to blasting people. That's a problem. Number two, stop blaming others. Often when we, we don't want to admit, this is kind of associated with admitting it, but the reason, well, why? it's not my problem. If they wouldn't have done that to me, I wouldn't have done that to them. Or, or if that wouldn't have happened to me, then I, so we start finding reasons. Well, you know, well, they did that. I mean, if you have kids, you know, you know, they're fighting, or, you know, whose fault was it? I, well, they were, you know, pointing fingers, blaming other people. Well, Lily did this. Well, Dane did this. If your kids were named Dane and Lily, I don't know some kids named that or something. But, um, so we got to stop blaming other people. Even if we were provoked, even if it was maybe a real reason, that doesn't give us the right to blast somebody else, right? We got we to cool down. And so number three is cool down. Learn how to cool down. This is just practical stuff. It, it, and there's some real simple things. I mean, you got to learn what helps you. If you need to get out of the situation and go walk the street, go walk the street. If you got to go find some, you know, some quiet place. If you need to, I, I can't talk to somebody right now. I know I'm angry. I know I'll blast you. And you just, you got to go. That's probably the smartest thing you can do. Because you want to spare people from the wrath of your, your, your emotion in that moment. They don't deserve that. You know? Right? So, so we got to do what's smart. How do I cool down? What are the ways I need to cool down? you got to figure that out. So if it is just to leave the situation, come back later. But, but don't just leave it and let it be. Come back and try to express it and deal with it. And then number four, got to dig deeper. Okay, just like I said first week, discover why you're angry. Okay, maybe it's really obvious. Okay, this situation is... But maybe there's a lot of times we're angry and it looks like it was that situation. But really, you know, the Arby's drive through is not enough to really make you angry. Maybe you're angry because your life is so busy. You have to squeeze so many things in a, a short period of time. And that just you thought it was going to be quick and now it wasn't. But really, it's because your life is mismanaged. And I don't know who that would be. But um, that could be somebody that has too much going on and they, you know, I got to get from here to here to here. And this, this screwed up my plan. Right? I thought it was going to be quick, and it wasn't. Maybe I need to slow down, and I can, I can wait in the drive-thru, and it won't kill me the way longer than I thought I was going to wait. Right? So, so we got to dig deeper sometimes. It's not just the outside situation. It's other things in our life that can compound it, and those are really the things that are driving the anger in our lives. All right, number two. Ways that we can deal with our anger. We can blast it. Not a good idea. Some people choose to do that. Number two, we can bury it. We can bury it, put it in the ground. A lot of times we hear, uh, you know, this is a simplistic approach. Okay, well, I don't want to blast people. I know that's not cool. I don't want to be like, you know, hot-tempered. So what I'll do is I'll just pretend like I'm not really angry. I'll just always put a smile on my face and be that guy that just, I just, and you never get angry, man. Darrell, you're just always smiling, you know. When is Darrell ever angry? He don't angry about nothing. Nothing ever upsets him. It's just amazing. Well, you know what? There's not a human being that doesn't get angry about something. Right, but we have different ways that we deal with it and express it, and we start associate well because they always blast it. That's an angry person, and that's a really person that never gets angry. The truth is, we all get angry. Some people blast it, some people bury it. Now, if you're a person that buries it, that's not necessarily more healthy for you. 
It might be more healthy for them, okay? But it's not more healthy for you. So we gotta find some tension. We gotta find some balance here with how we deal with anger. Okay, so you're saving, you're sparing people around you. Thank you. That's good. But at the same time, when you bury it inside, it's got to go somewhere. It's got to do something. Um, and here we get to this, we get to the point where we think burying it is a great idea from unhelpful quotes and even misunderstanding of Scripture. Let me give you some quotes. If you just look up quotes on anger, Benjamin Franklin, this guy was smart. Penny saved, a penny earned, right? Whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. All right, well, hey, thank you, Ben. Ben knows. He's on the $100 bill. He must know. Uh, Albert Einstein, smart guy. All right, I'm no Einstein, but this is what he says. Anger dwells only in the bosom of fools. Okay, fair enough. Thank you, Albert Einstein. Um, William Penn, Pennsylvania. It is he who is in the wrong who first gets angry. Okay, is that really true? I don't know. So the overall overarching concept is just don't get angry. If your person never gets angry, then you're right. Maybe, but the truth is what that really tells us is don't look like you're angry. Just stew on the inside, right? Just don't appear like you're angry. Oh, I'm not angry. Everything's great. Praise the Lord, brother. Yeah, that, that's not necessarily good either. Uh, even if you look, I don't know if you read the message. I, I was reading the message translation of Matthew 5.22. It says this, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I, I'm telling you, this is Jesus speaking. I tell you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Uh, I'm not angry. No, just no, not me, Jesus. I wasn't angry. Nope. So we pretend, because that seems pretty harsh, if I got mad, I'm, I'm guilty of murder. That's actually a mistranslation of the passage. Uh, if you look at it in another translation, I think it's NIV, it says, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. It's not the same as being guilty of murder. What that means is our anger is judged by God. And back to what I said last week, is it righteous or unrighteous? We can have righteous anger, and God says, A-OK. Our anger, how we express it, is judged by God. Hey, you just blasted that person. Maybe they hurt you, but that wasn't the way to go. So all of our, all of our emotions, all of our expressions, they are judged by God. Here's what Jesus is getting at, because the Pharisees were the best at this. The Pharisees thought, if my outer life looked good, that's all that matters. I follow the law, all the 613 commands on my outer life, and so then that's God has approved me, approval of me. He's, he's follow, yeah, God loves me. Um, but Jesus says, no, no, no. Your inner life, God looks at that too. So if your inner life is screwed up, let's take a moment and think about that. So Jesus deals with lust, anger. All these sort of things that reside on the inside of us, and said so that's really what we got to start with—the root of these things—and not just your outer life. Oh, I buried it really well. I'm good at hiding that I'm angry. God must really love that. No, God wants your heart to be pure. He wants your heart to be right. Your heart to be full of integrity. That means it's the same on the outside as the inside. And so, if you bury your anger, what's happening is your outside looks okay, but your inside is still not right. And that's not being a person of integrity. And God wants us to be people of integrity. And so, what do we do? What do we do? If we bury it, this is what, uh, it's, it's said that when a rattlesnake is cornered, sometimes it becomes so angry that it bites itself. And when a man or a woman harbors hatred or bitterness in his heart, 
you know, we're poisoning ourselves just like the rattlesnake bite. We get so angry, we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury it down, but really we're hurting ourselves. The truth is buried anger will reveal itself sometime, somewhere, somehow, and it will destroy the person who buried it. Mitch Album, who wrote the book Five People You Meet in Heaven, said holding anger is a poison. It eats you from the inside. We think that hating is a weapon that attacks the person who harmed us, but hatred is a curved blade. At the, and the harm we do, we do to ourselves. That's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, Dr. Roland Mario, he's at a, the medical center in Seattle, said it this way. Anger is such a powerful coping mechanism that, it, that repression and suppression are not successful. The more you try to avoid it, the more time and energy you are going to spend with it. It's a paradox. So, yeah, you may be saving in that moment that person. I'm not going to blast you. I'm fine. But the more that you don't deal with anger on the inside, the more time you spend with it, the more it still lives in there. And it's, it's looking for a place to come out. I think one Bible example of this, and we don't have time to, to dig all the way into this story, but I would encourage you to read it, is the story of Absalom. Absalom is David's son, David the king of, of Israel. And I don't know if you're, you know about Absalom, but Absalom was a, was a handsome man, was uh, you know, great uh, in a lot of ways, but something happened in his life, and uh, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 13, where his sister was violated by his stepbrother. And, this, and he, was, he was upset because this was injustice. This was wrong. Some, something, they stole something from his sister. And this was, this was something he, he, he wanted justice. And the problem was David, as the father, only got furious, it says in Scripture, but he didn't do anything. He just blasted out some, I'm angry, I'm mad, but he didn't actually bring justice to the situation. And so what happened was Absalom buried his anger inside for two years. And he didn't even respond in an angry way. He said, you know what, fine. He tells his sister, no, you'll be all right. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Don't be, don't be mad. It's cool. And he just buries it. Looks like everything's fine. And he's for two years buried this anger in his heart. And he's looking for an opportunity to kill his brother. Lo and behold, two years later, he finds a chance. And he ambushes his brother and kills him. But that's not the end of the story. A lot of people think that's that, that's okay. He took care of it. Now the end, right was wrong. This guy, you know, for his crimes, he got his punishment. But you know what happened? The anger stayed in his heart. The anger was not alleviated just by that one action. You can you can see this in how he then approached the rest of his life. That wasn't enough. Now Absalom said, "You know what? I'm angry at my dad. My dad didn't do anything about this. I'm upset with my family. You know what? My dad's not even a good king." And so he wanted to elevate himself up to the throne. So he said, you know what, now I'm directing this anger at my father. And he spent the rest of his life trying to dethrone his father and was successful to a degree. David had to run, flee, flee the palace. He had to go in hiding. Absalom was, was held as the king for a moment. But ultimately, that buried anger was his downfall. And I find it interesting, if you read the story in 2 Samuel, uh, I believe it's chapter 18, yeah, in 18, Absalom's anger comes back to bite him. And as he's being chased by the, the, the army of his father, he gets his hair tangled in an oak tree, and he's hanging there, dangling by his hair, which is a crazy picture if you think about it. I, I don't know if they do that Bible story in children's church where they color it 
Absalom dangling a tree. That'd be a good one. Uh, maybe that's next week. And um, the commander of David's army comes and he jabs him in the heart with three javelins, it says. Which is kind of an interesting thing because I think anger was in his heart. Think about that. The, his heart was the issue. He could never let it go. He could never forgive his father. He could never move past it. And it ultimately ruined his heart was destroyed. And that's how he died. And if we let anger stay in our hearts, it will destroy us. It will be our downfall. It will be the, the thing that, that drives us to do things that we don't even understand. Why do I struggle with this behavior? Why do I struggle with this addiction? Why do I struggle with this compulsive behavior? Why do I keep going here, going there? It's because our heart is not right. I have a whole list. I'll do it really fast because I want to get to this last point. Signs you are holding anger on the inside. If you want to write these down, you can. If you are an overly passive person, that's what they, I've pulled these from a couple of sources. If you're overly passive in life, a lot of times it's because you're putting the anger that you want to put, that most people put outward, you put it inward. And you feel like you can't do anything about it, so it just goes inside. You're easily irritated. Well, that should be obvious. If you're easily irritated, something isn't right. See, Isaiah. If you have an addictive or compulsive behavior. A lot of times addiction, compulsive behavior, is not the actual addiction, but it's anger at ourselves. It's anger we've built up inside, and we're, we're mad, and we, we use that to either alleviate it, to feel better, whatever it may be. Number four, you suffer from unexplained depression, anxiety, panic attacks, eating disorders. These are some things that can, the reasoning for it is because of anger that we bear it in our heart. You have a negative self-image. You don't see yourself as worthy or valuable or as very much. Uh, a lot of that comes because we have self-hate. We have anger at ourselves. And so that's the image that we, we have. I like this one. Procrastination, number six, in the completion of tasks or habitual lateness. Now, I don't know anybody that's ever late. And we, I mean, we always start service on time. We don't ever procrastinate at this church. That's always what we do. Praise the Lord. That's where we're going. Um, but sometimes... We procrastinate things because we're mad about doing them. You ever felt that? Like, I don't want to write this paper. I don't want to do this project. I don't want to do this thing for school. And so we just keep putting it off because we're kind of a little bit angry that we got to do it. Rather than saying, you know what? I could be angry about this. Just get it done. Right? So that can be a reason. Um, sarcasm, cynicism, or flippancy, they said. These are strategies that we do to kind of cover over the, the, the dealings of our heart. And then the flip side of that is over-politeness. Constant cheerfulness, or just that smiling while hearted. Praise the Lord, brother. Everything's awesome. Yes. I don't have any prayer requests because God's good all the time. You know, all right. Okay. Praise God is good, but, you know, sometimes we deal with things, you know, and it's okay to say, I'm struggling right now and I need prayer. And I need, you know, but if we always put this image of everything's fine, everything's great, praise the Lord, all right, we, we will not be able to deal with the real issues of our lives. And number nine, the final one is this it's difficult to getting sleep, getting to sleep or staying awake. And so those are just some real practical things. Think about that. Are, am I burying anger uh, inside in my life? And just like the one before, if we're blasting it, think, think about it. i got to admit first, if I want to move forward here, i got to admit that I'm actually angry. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to say, you know what, that thing that happened to me as a kid, I don't know that I'm really past that. That thing that, that, that the family member did to me, that thing I grew up in my home, I don't know that I'm really past that. I think I'm still upset. I think I'm really still angry about that. And it's okay to admit that. Because that's how you find healing. 
it's okay to say, you know, I'm still dealing with some things that I went through and I need God's help. So we got to admit that we're actually angry about some things, even if they sound silly. Okay. Dig deeper. Like I said before, and how do you dig deeper? This is great. You could journal, start writing things down, prayer, get some counseling, have a, a conversation with a friend, small group. These are things that can help us move forward. Finally, number three is this today, church. Three ways we can deal with our anger. We can blast it, we can bury it, or we can build from it. I'm talking about, number one, releasing it. This is a blanks here. Or harnessing it. Releasing it is simply when we take a step to forgive that person that hurt us. We don't have to have them ask for forgiveness to forgive them. You know that? They may be, they may have died. They may not even be around. They may be somewhere else. But we, we need to take a step. If we haven't forgiven people, we need to take a step of forgiveness. Because that is more about us and our heart than about them. Forgiveness is not saying it didn't matter. It's saying, no, it did. That was wrong. And I'm choosing not to hold it against you, just like God is not holding my sin against me. So forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. And when we choose not to forgive... We're only hurting ourselves. We're only allowing that, that hurt to remain in us longer and longer. We can also do this. We can overlook an offense. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. This is like when you're going through the drive-thru at Arby's. Or when you, you know the movie theater thing turns off. Or when the little things of life come. It's not, I need to forgive Arby's for being so terrible. You know, it's, you know what? I can, I'm bigger than this, you know? I can overlook this. I, I can have patience. I can overlook these things. I don't have to get upset about every little thing in my life. I can choose to do that. I can release this. I don't need this in my life. I can release this anger. And number two, we're harnessing it. This is what we don't always talk about, but we can actually harness anger for good. Now, this would be a great topic of discussion for our groups this week. Mike's got his group on Tuesday. Um... <coughs> harnessing anger for good. There's growing evidence even in, in science that would suggest that anger constructively expressed can produce positive outcomes. It's not good to blast people and it's not good to bury it. But if we constructively can express our anger, our frustration, our hurt, it actually produces positive outcomes. The problem is we have to maintain a balance. We can't overdo it. We can't always blast. We can't always, you know... We have to find a balance. But if we, if we genuinely, truly are hurt, it does us no good to, to not say anything. It does us no good to hold it in. It does us no good to blast the other person and tell them how terrible they are. We have to find a balance of how we can express, that really did hurt me. You know, when you said that, that hurt me. And, and, and then let it, whatever happens, the awkwardness of that moment, sometimes we're like, I don't like awkward. It gets awkward. It does. But we got to let it process through and then we find restoration, hopefully. Not guaranteed, but hopefully we find a stronger relationship. We find healing. We find things that we would not find if we just buried it inside. We have to learn how to harness this anger and let it motivate us to do something about it. Rather than to say, you know, I'm just going to be frustrated. I'm just going to have a bad week. No, no, no. I'm angry enough that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, but not in, not in hate, but in love. You know, because I have a relationship with you. I, I'm going to share this. And we can do this individually. You know, if you're in a marriage, in a relationship like that, hopefully you do this. This is how you build a healthy relationship. It's called communication. Hey, when you leave the dishes in the sink all the time, you know, that bothers me. 
I feel like I always have to deal with the dishes. I feel like, I, you know, and, and if we learn how to do that constructively, we have a stronger relationship. We learn how to share our, 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 our hurts and our little things and the big things and all that. It, it becomes a, a stronger relationship where, you know, like my kids sometimes will look at Cassie and I'm like, you guys are arguing, you're fighting. And that's not to say that we never have, but very often it's not anything major. We're just expressing, you know, little little annoyances, little things, and we, we go through it, we, bat, we work through it, and then we're, we're stronger for it. That's what a good relationship does. And, and, and if we never did, we would not have a very strong relationship. I would just be over here like, oh, I don't know what she thinks, and she'd be mad at me for always doing stuff that, that bothers her. Um, so we can harness this, um, and we can do it individually, or we can do it collectively for society. Anger is a powerful generative force. It can fuel... Uh, the engines of change in society. We've seen this over and over. I was looking up and reading a story about Cesar Chavez. He was a California immigrant, and Cecilia actually studied him in her, her AP class, uh, U.S. History. But he was in the 1960s. He started a movement among the immigrant workers in California um, that were being oppressed by the farmers. And they were angry. They were upset. They were frustrated with their lives and their conditions and all the things about how life was going for them. And rather than um, going and, and, and destroying the farms, killing the crops. He said, you know, we have a better way. Let's, let's use this anger as a force for change. And so they actually did a march to Sacramento, and they had this thing, and it started gaining media attention and all these sort of things. And he started a labor union and different things that began to help the conditions of the workers. But it was interesting in this article that I read that the anger was not left unchecked. It stayed. And the anger got more and more to the point it was destructive. So anger that was constructive, that helped bring about change and some new things for them, because it wasn't resolved and it, they, everything didn't happen the way they wanted it to, now they started later on having riots and destroying things. And this guy, all that he worked for looked like it was being destroyed. And so it says in this article that he actually fasted for 30 days because he wanted these people to understand that what they were doing was destroying everything that they had worked for. All of this, when your anger turns to violence, you, you're ruining the cause. You're ruining what we're working for, and you're destroying this. And so he fasted for 30 days so that people would be, be at peace and stop all, of the, all the violence. And they ended up stopping, and, and, and it had a positive effect. But the, the point of the article was talking about how anger is such a, it's such a double-edged sword. We have to be careful. But it is a powerful, powerful force when harnessed in the right direction. Sometimes we don't get mad enough. When there's injustice in society, when people are hurting around us, when people are, uh, you know, we see things and we come numb to them. We're like, oh, well, that's just the world we live in. You know, well, I'll go back home to my house. We, you know, when people are, can't feed their kids, well, you know, they should have got a job. You know, we just kind of, we dismiss things away. We don't let, say, you know, there's something broken in our world. And maybe you have some people have to take their own responsibility and understand that. But, you know, there, there's things that are broken. I want to do something about that. It, it should bother me that, you know, there are people that don't know Christ, you know? Yeah. It should bother me that there are people that, 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 that are being hurt and abused and all these sort of things are happening in our, our world. It, it, sometimes we do better to actually have more anger. And so, you know, God, what breaks your heart? And let my heart break for what breaks, you know, what your heart breaks. Uh, and that's really what the Bible's uh, telling us to do. You can look at the story of Nehemiah. Look that one up. And, and it really it starts with his heart being broken for what God's heart is broken for. If Nehemiah would have been kind of like we are sometimes and said, you know, ah, that stinks. Stinks to be them. You know, I'm going back and be my cupbearer. You know, nothing would have changed. But he let that 
that that problem stir in his heart, and, he's, and he kind of got upset. Like this is not right. This is wrong that these people don't have a wall. This is wrong. My people are are in that situation, and he uses that as a generative force to bring about change. I, I, I look at this story in the New Testament of the parable of the great banquet in Luke fourteen. Uh, verse 21 and, and around there there's a story about the message being sent out to all these people that God is sending out a message to our world and to the community of, to, to come and receive him and there's many that aren't receiving the call there's many that aren't hearing it and, and a, an interesting verse here says the servant came back and reported this to the master and the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled the blind and the lame you know, that story could have gone differently. The, the, the master could have said, oh, man, that stinks. Nobody wants to, to be a part of my, my banquet. I guess I'll just, I'll just give up. But instead, he says, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can. I'm upset because I want people to be a part of this. And we think about that in a way that God's love and anger are combined. God's angry at sin. God's angry that the world is not the way it should be. And that's a righteous anger. He's angry that when we, when we ruin our lives through our choices... That doesn't, God is not just up there saying, well, it's up to you, buddy. You know, whatever you want to do. But it, it bothers him enough that he sent his own son to die on the cross. He sent him out of love and out of anger. Anger that the enemy has destroyed the world through, through deception and lies, and he would do that in our lives. Out of love because he sent and sacrificed himself. Love and anger can be combined. And it can be a powerful, powerful force. I believe that's how God is, is intending to change the world. But our anger has to be expressed in ways that are, that are constructive. We have to be careful. We have to learn how to, to harness it for God's purposes. And, and let our hearts be attached to the mission of God. God, what are you up to? What are you about? God, what breaks your heart? If nothing, if nothing really stirs my heart, nothing really breaks my heart, I don't really... Maybe there's something going on, but I need to be a little more upset. God, maybe could you fill my heart with, with what bothers you? There's things that bother you, God. Let my heart connect with that. Now, as we wrap this up, Lynn, if you come. Oh, I was going to move over here for you. The question is, how do you deal with your anger? Do you blast it at people? Are you known as a hot-tempered person? Don't let that become your identity. Don't let that be how you're defined. Take a step in a new direction this morning. For the sake of those around you, for the sake of yourself. Don't let anger and the way you express it define who you are. That's not who you are. We all go through things that are uh, that are frustrating. We all go through things that cause us to be upset. We don't have to let anger define our lives. Maybe you're somebody, on the other hand, who buries it down. Always looks like everything's fine, but truly, that's not the, that's not the story of anybody. You know, we all go through things. We all go through disappointments, hurts, pains. And we have to have a positive way of expressing those things so we can let them go. We don't want to bury anger inside and let it eat at us the rest of our lives. You could be here this morning and you're, you're really angry at yourself. Often that's what it is. It comes back to us and we're just kind of, we have this kind of self-doubt, hatred, and we're just kind of down on ourselves. we got to let that go. God believes in you. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He's created you for a purpose. We gotta let the self-hatred and anger go because that's not how God sees us. He sees us with love. He sees us with compassion, with grace.
And sometimes we need to learn to show the same amount of grace that God gives us. We've got to give that to ourselves. Amen? This morning, we've got to be people that let release that anger and let it go. And ultimately, learn how to build from it. Ultimately, learn how to say, you know, how can I be constructive with this, this thing that I'm dealing with? This, this hurt, this pain, this, this frustration. How can I make it a constructive thing? Maybe there's someone I need to go to and say something to in a, in a very, you know, loving way. I need to say this, but I, I would do well for both of us for me to say something. Because we're in a weird place, or we're in a difficult place. I need to share this so that we can move forward. Maybe that's the best thing you can do, or maybe it's it's something you need to just forgive. I need to let this go, let this person go. I, I've been holding on to way too long. I, I don't want to do that to myself, because they probably moved on light years ago, and we're still on to it. So how do I do these things? How do I do these things? How do I let... God help me with this. That's what we're going to pray about. That's what we're going to do this morning. If you would stand to your feet. We're going to sing, this is the air I breathe. We're going to breathe out anger, hurt, pain. We're going to breathe out negative self-talk. We're going to breathe out the concept that I'm, I'm no good. God doesn't love me, that I've, I've blown it too many times. We're going to breathe that out. And we're going to breathe in the Holy Spirit. We're going to breathe in His love. We're going to breathe in His grace.